Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be giving you one of 50 Mama interviews. These interviews have been conducted by Drama Victoria over the last two years to celebrate their 50th birthday. These 50 interviews are 50 conversations with 50 legends of the Victoria drama teaching game. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a slightly longer than usual version of The Aside. Just on a quick personal note, Scott Crozier was my theatre studies teacher at high school. He helped me get to top acts and he inspired me to love Beckett and Brecht and Shakespeare. He also directed some high school productions I was in. Thank you very much, Scott Crozier. Please note that the audio quality varies depending on where the interview was recorded. Hello, I'm here with the wonderful Scott Crozier for Mama Interview number 48. Um, welcome, Scott. Thanks, Ellie. <laughs> uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, could you first begin with how, when, and why you became a drama teacher? Uh, first of all, I, I'd have to say that I'm actually not a drama teacher. I, my academic background is English, and I slid very happily into becoming a theatre studies teacher, which is where I do most of my senior work now. Um, although having said that, my academic study interest became eventually Shakespeare, mm-hmm. hence flow on effect. Fantastic. So in fact, one stage I was doing working on a PhD, which the stock of children turned up, um, based around someone else's dream, and its productions over the centuries. And and the when, when when was all that? Well, no, it hasn't always been. Although I can trace it all back now. I yeah. my first production I ever saw was an eight-year-old at the Capitol Theatre in Sydney. I was taken by my grandmother to see Nutcracker Suite, mm-hmm. and I still remember fairies flying across the stage on wires and thinking that that magic was something I needed to be part of. <laughs> I then as a 12 year old saw a production of the Scottish play in Port Moresby, expatriates doing it in kilts in a non-air-conditioned theatre and that memory is still part of me but it actually then that flicker became a flame when I taught in England in 1986. There we were allowed to create our own curriculum and I was teaching about an hour at Stratford. So all the classes that I took based around Shakespeare's plays and the ones that Stratford were doing at the time. Wonderful. So that's where that's how blossomed into a raging bushfire. Fantastic. And what are some of the changes that you've seen in drama education over the, or theatre studies education in uh, the, the the changes have happened not around the curriculum development but around the politics surrounding education mm-hmm. and I that's only really recent I vividly remember groundbreaking works that we used to do in the late 80s and 90s which we couldn't even think about doing today because of the politics around what parent expectations around attitudes about what um, senior adolescents should be exposed to uh, and that, that in some respects has put shackles I think on what 
that her kids can do. Mm-hmm. So it's the, not the it's not the curriculum which changed that much, but it's the politics which is like said. Yeah, oh, actually, it's always seems to get in the way of. Yeah, well, it's not just that; it's also <laughs> attitude. Yes, yes, yes. Um, some of the highs and some of the lows from your thirty plus years. Oh, the the lows. Uh, I, I'm now I'm currently teaching at the school where I've been at for thirty years, um, and although that is where my work in the theatre basically took off. The, the lows have been around the lack of facility, I suppose. We don't have an amazing theatre like many schools do. We still don't, even though we're known as performing arts. We tend to outsource our stuff to other, to other centres, which in itself is a plus in many respects. Um, but there have been promises of theatres, and those promises have never come to fruition. So that is probably a low point. The high point, though, has been I've, there are many of them, and they're not necessarily based around productions, but around the, those moments where kids just get it yeah. all of a sudden. And, uh, I can think of probably the best recent examples of this watching um, boys who are as big as Spectral or this mm-hmm. Spectral. They love theatre because it's scripted, they know what's going to happen, and even though they're walking in somebody else's shoes, it's all told to them, and so they can do it. And even though not necessarily, they're not necessarily the closest actions, the enjoyment of what they get out of it, and being able to make that leap of faith, it's not empty because they can't be, but that's the next closest mm. thing to it. Seeing that happen is, from a teaching perspective, is From a production point of view, I suppose, even though Shakespeare's my thing, I think. Uh, watching fathers in the audience of the opening night when we did uh, Observe the Sons of Old to Marching Towards the Sun song. And as the soldiers die, actually seeing the fathers of those boys break down because it's, 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 uh, it's a possibility, unfortunately, still today. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're going to just talk about memorable experiences, and I know you've got some pictures from yeah. that particular production. I um, have. Would you mind? Yeah. Because <laughs> this would classify as one of your most memorable. It is. Yeah. So, um, it's a play about young men from Ulster <coughs> who... Give me a hold. Yeah, sure. Um, who are... Uh, Set off, or the play starts with an old man reminiscing, and the old man is next to you in our production, who's an actually an actor, uh, reminiscing about that moment when they were all killed except for him. Um, the play then goes back in time and it traces their joyous signing up to the army, uh, their training, the relationships they made with each other, and then their final horrific death. On the, on the song, that's him, that's the old man, reminiscing. Yeah, the various single characters. Three of these boys have been on stage before. Wow. Um, so this would be your theatre stage production? No, this wasn't that this was a school production, right. but a lot of these boys were in fact in my theatre stage class. Um, stage recently, 
uh, with three or four stations. This chronicle is one for a young man. This one, this young bloke that had been on the stage before, and there's a moment where he just loses it, loses it, the character loses it. Uh, incredible movie. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful play. It's, we, we normally do. That picture really captures that moment, does, doesn't it? Yeah. We, we normally do productions which are co ed, obviously, because we're a co ed school, yeah. but in this case, we separated from the girls did Dancing with Lisa, and the boys did this. Any other specific memorable experiences that oh, yes. you'd love to <laughs> share with us? So, uh, when I was teaching in England, as I said, I happened to be teaching a school in Abingdon, which was just south of Oxford. And this is the program that's a hand ink drawing of. We, we, I created this production uh, based on T.S. Eliot's poetry called Wasteland, based on Prufrock and the earlier poems, and then uh, on Wasteland itself. Uh, and a friend of mine who was at the school got music for it, and this is what happened. So that that uh, program was, um, and one of the actors in it was Tom York from, who's now Radiohead. Um, I happened to be lucky to be able to teach all those kids that year. And Ed O'Brien was in the band that played the music for that. Um, and not to be able to see very much of it, but the set of it, I'm sure we can see that, is based around uh, a wrecked car and there's junk all over the stage. Their faces were all white, um, uh, and it's, a, it's the complete poems, but given voices to characters uh, throughout, throughout that. And Tom was the alter ego of Prufrock in the production. Yeah. Um, we might have a chance to uh, have a look at some more of these images in a moment. Yeah, sure. Can we talk about the mentors and collaborators that have, have been an influence on yeah, you um, your work? <coughs> the work, the, the three directors that have influenced me the most in the work that I've done don't know it. It's Peter Brook, Ariane Manushkin from France, and Robert Page. I love their work and I have deliberately tried to emulate stuff that they do. Academically, um, probably um, uh, Lindy Davies is the person who I would point out most. I did a wonderful, I was very lucky to do a wonderful two week directing course at NIDA over a Christmas holiday. And she introduced the class to the concept of impulse work, which I really hadn't heard of before. And by the end of that, I was hooked. And that is the basis on which I do most of my work with kids and script. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with Paul Winford, the wonderful Paul Winford, who's now retired from teaching. Uh, Meryl Anstey has been a wonderful collaborator. We, we did a wonderful production of uh, Les Miserables at the Athenaeum in 2000. Together, it was fun. Um, and I now work with any few, in fact, it's here today somewhere. Um, and uh, we, we 
be actually collaborating this year, uh, next year, sorry, doing work on the wand. I don't normally get my teeth into musical, <laughs> I have over the last few years. Wonderful. Um, uh, my next question, I think you've almost answered, but describing your your favourite professional learning experiences, I guess it's that Lindy Davies? Yeah, uh, yes, that, although I have to admit professionally, yeah, I agree with you, it'd be that, but uh, underst understanding how kids work with theatre. Mm -hmm. Vividly remember a production of King Lear that we did, the boy who was an actor, who had done lots of acting, who just, I couldn't see that he got it, didn't get Edmund at all. And I was going into paroxysms because we was the week of production. Uh, and we got to dress rehearsal, we put a costume on, and it clumped. It just happened. And I learned from that, A, to trust my first instincts about casting roles, casting. But secondly, kids get there in very, very different ways. Some students, we, remember when we did a production, full production of Cloud Street, the boy that played Fish got it in audition. And like, that was it. He didn't have to do any more work, he got it. But there were other students like this boy who played Edmund who has to have to wait until that final moment before it comes in. Having the patience to allow them to get to that point, trusting your own instinct. Um, I've learned a lot about that this morning, kids, working with kids. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think are the secrets to your longevity as a, as a theatre uh, Probably uh, having the sensation heads of school. But really, I, I, prior to me coming to St Michael's, I was at another school in Melbourne and then in New Zealand. And my time in England, in the, my time in England, they, never, they had the stunning stage, but they was only ever used for assembly and occasionally for the orchestra. They had never done a play. So in the short time that I was there, we did Joseph and his magic technical dream coat, and then Wasteland. The head said, sure, why not? Just do it. Um, and then at the school I'm currently at, uh, previous hit, unfortunately, is now dead. Uh, there again, there had been very little theatre going on, and I suggested that we do a Shakespearean festival every year. And so the Midacton Smart Street was the first production. The following year, we had to do two because so many kids auditioned for it. At the same time, the musical started, so we ended up with having three productions of senior kids over a year. And that has gone on from there. Um, and my, as I said earlier on, the one thing that, that has breaks on that bit is the not allowing us to have our complete head. <laughs> We've had to, because at one stage we did King Lear and Bond's Lear together. We did Hamlet and Rosecrans and Gilberstone <laughs> together. Um, but yeah, not anymore. They, they couldn't have it. So, you fear that the, the support from the heads is more? No, it's not just that. I think it's the it's the it's the need for the public face of the school to be as squeaky clear as possible, mm. which I totally understand. I, I yeah. Um, 
uh, but people aren't as able to take risks. risks. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the point, yeah, as we used to be able to. And, and that drama lives in that moment of it yeah. being on the edge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that it needs to be dangerous. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is there advice that you would pass on to the, the beginning teacher that, that you think... Would now, be I was thinking about this question. Pearls uh, when I woke up very early this morning yeah. in the heat. <laughs> um, yeah, there are. There's, I've, I've been very lucky in that I've been able to, I've stumbled into things and they've just happened. Um, I've never had a mentor and because I was, I was, my career was being built when nobody talked about having a mentor, you just did what you did. But having, if young teachers wish to really be involved in theatre in a school context, not, not the next level, uh, it's fairly important to get the trust of the school itself. It's fairly important to get trust of senior staff. But then it's important to trust your own judgement, to be very, very, very patient. Um, the, the the work that we've, that we've done at St Michael's over the last 30 years, not just me, but others, has built slowly. It wasn't something that happened overnight. Uh, and I can look back now and go, the reason this is happening now is because of that that happened in the early 90s. But it just takes time. It just takes time. The other thing I would say is you've got to expose kids to as much theatre as you possibly can. And the one really lucky thing that I was able to do, I don't know how we did it back then without mobile phones, was from 1990 we've taken kids off to the Adelaide Festival every year for the long Labor Day weekend and given them the opportunity to explore themselves so it hasn't been everybody hold hands we will march off into the theatre apart from set plays that they would go to see the Fringe Festival other productions and the exhibitions that were on, it was up to them to find what they wanted to do to go. Oh, wow. And the trust that we had to have that nothing would go wrong, this is prior mobile phones, <laughs> um, was amazing. Um, Touchwood, I don't think anything really ever did go wrong. And we still do it, but with mobile phones is much easier to keep a track of what's going on. Uh, and that is such an important experience to the kids that have, who have been involved in theatre at school but then have gone on to do theatre beyond school and been involved in theatre and of making movies in America and so on. So there's quite a few of them. All of them had their genesis, the, their passion for theatre, probably Adelaide, mm. rather than school, which is interesting. Yeah. My own, I completely. Um, agree that you know there were moments where I was just like you you talked about the, the Peter Brook and the Robert Plage um, moments where you just go okay this is what I want to do yeah what I want to create yeah um, now I know you do have a, a list of, of uh, things to show us and, yeah I, and I did cut you off earlier but but an opportunity to show us the artifacts that you've collected okay. so this this is a this is a photograph of um, Oberon and Puck from the very first production that we did at St Michael's in the quad um, and the young boy there who was Puck is now, he's Jeff Dunstan, he is 
now heavily involved. In fact, one of the one of the artistic directors of Dislocated Physical Theatre Company. When we did this, he was in year eleven, I think, and we decided it was such a success that once he finished school, we would try and do a Midsummer Night's Dream again. He was a gymnast. He was very physically able, uh, and then we would try and do it again. So I then started studying a PhD at Monash University around the Midsummer Night's Dream. And in the first year of my study, we got together, he was actually at Monash at the time, uh, through the Monash Shakespeare Society, to put on a production, which first of all started at the university, then went to the Universal Theatre in Fitzroy, then ended up at um, uh, the Malt House, where it was seen by somebody from Singapore who decided we needed to go to Singapore. So that's Jeff Dunstan there. And this is the part he became in the production that was restaged in a number of places. And uh, I know people still come up to me and say, when they work out who I am and they know about the theatre, was you that your production of Midsummer's Dream? I saw nineteen ninety five. I said yes, probably was. <laughs> so yeah, a fantastic production. Um, and it seems like yesterday, but it's over twenty odd years ago now. Uh, Peter Brook also did a production of Midsummer's Dream with Rose in, in white. That's yes. where a lot of this came from. There we go. Yeah, but very different fairies, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yours are slightly less uh, dressed. Slightly less dressed. They were menacing. Uh, we, had we had gymnasts, we had uh, people involved in capoeira and climate as wow. fairies. And the three of them had to work out a vocabulary as to how they could work together as a troop of fairies. Yeah. So there was that. Um, Again, as I said, Shakespeare is it for me. This is production of recent, most recent production of As You Like that I've done, where Rosalind and Celia started off with boy actors, and then three calls the way through first act, we actually swapped them on stage and the girls took over. Mm. Um, so this was set in, this is now <laughs> Black Box at School. What an awesome concept. Yeah. Um, lit by an ex student who's also now an actor himself. Uh, that's uh, just the sort of thing we do. So is that go-go? We have to go-go of the house. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's much darker than people see, think it is. Uh, before we've only got uh, ten or five minutes to go, I think. It's, oh, I was you're you're watching out for the signals. I haven't no, been I have, I sort of completely mesmerised. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid and I saw that production of uh, Nutcracker Suite, and it lit something in me. Two weeks ago, I was standing in the pop-up globe in the pit watching As You Like It, and a 10-year-old boy was standing on the step, standing based downstage steps, agog at what he was watching on stage, eyes wide open, just drinking all this stuff, couldn't get enough of it. When Jacques did The Seven Ages of Man and pointed at him as the schoolboy, he just flushed completely. At the end of the production, I went up to him and said, this young man, You've got to remember this for the rest of your life. And his mother said to me, we've already been 
he begged us to come back. This is his second. Just got goosebumps. So, <laughs> he, I'm guessing, in 30 years' time, will be able to talk about that experience, experience of life visa, and the fact that there's nothing that we do in any other sphere that gives people the opportunity, both actors and audience, to live the lives of other people um, and explore emotions and situations that many of which we would never want to be able to explore in real life. Um, without drama and without drama education, without putting kids on stage in theatres, none of that would happen. And it's so vital that governments, curriculum people, allow it to continue. The darker yeah. times, the more, more important drama, drama education is. Scott, absolutely wise words. Thank you. Uh, before you go, though, yes. we have, how much time do I have? I've got about five minutes. Okay, excellent. Um, your connections to BCAA. Okay, so uh, I've, I've been teaching theatre studies for a hell of a long time and watched the iterations of the course change. It is now phenomenal new iteration which comes out next year I think is better. It certainly listens to the industry. Um, it also listens to academia too, which I'm really pleased about my really interest in the semiotics of the field. I've been very lucky recently to be have been involved in the writing of the teacher advice for the new new study of design. And that that process itself working with, with colleagues from other schools. Uh, was a wonderful, um, it's only a day unfortunately, but it was a wonderful day of listening to and developing ideas to help support, especially young teachers, mm. take this course and make it live, um, which they will. And I think the changes that have happened in the sensation, especially the introduction of music theatre as one of the uh, one of the strands, which is very, very important, even though it's not my thing. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To create opportunities yeah. for kids from all different perspectives of theatre to yeah. have an opportunity to shine. Absolutely. Scott, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, a joy. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, a Cheers. 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 <laughs>well that's all from us at the aside there are 49 other mama interviews you might like to listen to so please do feel free to go and find those and have a listen thank you to all the people involved in conducting the mama interviews the list is extensive happy 50th birthday to drama victoria and thank you to the 50 legends for giving us their time if you would like to ask the aside a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.